You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we talk to interesting people with interesting tastes in music about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and around a year ago, we had Alan McGee on the show, and he told us about one of his new signings, a fantastic band called The Clockworks. Once describing themselves as a punk rock version of the streets, the band have captivated me with their moody post-punk sound, so I'm very excited to have James and Damien with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Hey guys thanks so much for joining us thank you for having us yeah of course um so and just because there's two of you here i'm going to get you guys to introduce yourselves and say what you do in the clockworks my name is james i sing and play guitar in the clockworks and uh, i'm damien and i'm the drummer love it love it um all right well thanks again for uh for taking the time and i want to i want to kick off by talking to you guys about your move to london my understanding is that it came kind of like kind of early in in your career as a band. I mean that you 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 had only been going at it for I think less than a year. And, and if I'm incorrect, then tell me and we'll move on. But um, but what like is it just confidence that that prompted the move, or or was it the fact that you know you had had kind of shitty bands beforehand, and this one really just felt right? Like what what uh, what what gave you the the confidence to to really ha- uh, give it a go like that? I think it was sort of opposite to the being in bands previously, um, which I know a lot of bands go through. But we sort of grew up together and learned how to play and write songs and be in a band as friends. So like we were in bands for years. We were in, we were in a band together for years. Right. Um, and it started off with like acoustic guitars and a sort of acoustic drum box thing. And it slowly progressed from there. So I think maybe the confidence was just in the relationship between between us all um, and we spent enough time in Galway gigging working as hard as we could trying to make it like a full-time full-time job basically um, in Galway which has which is a very small city with only a couple of venues so then we knew when we decided to come here we knew and still learned loads as soon as we got here I mean it's not like we we knew everything or anything but just yeah. we felt yeah we had we felt confident coming here yeah, you had something. Yeah. I think, yeah, it was, we had a, our own bubble in the sense of we started out as friends. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't play an instrument before I joined the band. So it started off as a thing that was like really fun. And then that made us all really passionate about it. And then people told us we were good at it. When you're in a group of people that all think the same as you, it makes a decision like moving to England or moving country makes it a lot easier than if you were making that decision by yourself. So there was kind of like security in the sense of, well, we're all in this together. For better or for worse. Yeah. And then our, it was just our ambition that I think we just knew we wanted, we wanted to go further than we could have by staying in the West of Ireland, I think. Right. Well, and so I want to kind of explore something and, and I feel like it's, it's too often talked about in like, you know, when, when people are like writing up about you guys and stuff like that is the, the Alan McGee connection. I, and the only reason I want to, ex- I want to explore it more in the context of like 
sort of bands starting out and like, I mean, he, he came on this show and he was a very vocal champion of you guys. And I found it interesting because I have several friends who have gone out of their way to like DM him their music and shit like that. So it, it, like to me, when he told me the story about like, you know, getting in touch with you guys, it, it, it caught my eye because it was like, okay, so th- these guys, these guys know how to stand out and, and, and the music speaks to that as well. But um, not so much in the context of Alan McGee personally, but what was, what was the decision-making process behind that? Like behind the desire to reach out to someone like him and, and, and to sort of try and make that happen. Like, were, were you just like, you know, throwing a ton of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks or, or, or was there like a deliberate desire to, to go after him? I think we probably felt like, you know, might be able might be able to uh, get on board. And for example, we had sent him uh, Instagram messages for a year before that. We sent him four or five by that point. So he was someone that we'd really respected. We um, we'd read his book. We yeah loved so many of the bands that he'd signed, managed, etc. So like someone we thought would be amazing if this if we could send this person music and if. Even just the act of doing it, actually, the act of doing it is enough, really. Um, it's just to say that you're you're putting it out there. You know, you're putting your music out there. Yeah, just this time, it, it got through. So I think there is definitely an element of sort of persistence to it. Right. Yeah. I think I think as long as you're not, you know, you don't want to annoy people. You don't want to sort of be uh, yeah, yeah. Bullish, yeah. But, but persistence is good. I think. Yeah, like if he told you to stop, then you would have stopped. He probably would. He probably would tell you to stop if he wanted to. Stop. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, he'd probably just not read it. But uh, there was no real ulterior motive other than wanting him to hear our music. Right. At the time. Mm. I mean, that's kind of our mentality is just like, get your music out there and let that do the talking um, and see what comes of it. And so it's not like we were hounding him being like, you need to sign us, this and that. Um, it, it was Sean, the guitar player, who messaged saying some version of we're like a punk version of the streets right right. he had some like really good elevator pitch that he he just he sent and he sent it with the song and that was it it wasn't like there's no ego of oh we're we're going to be the best thing you've heard in years it was just here's our song if you want to listen to it listen to it and if you like us if you like it let us know that was it and then the next thing he's getting back to us saying he wants to come see us at a rehearsal well he actually wanted to come see us at gig but we had just moved, so we didn't have any gigs lined up. <laughs> right. Well, I, I feel like that sincerity is like just the most important thing. It's like you, because like I don't know. It, it seems to me like if if you're saying like, yeah, we're we're the best band ever, and you need to sign us now. Like, it, like if I'm in if I'm in anyone's shoes, frankly, uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to give that the time of day. You know, we we would never. It's not about using people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's about right. connecting with people. Yeah. And I think that was what I was trying to get at with, you know, it was the sending of the, of the music was, you know, rather than exactly we're the best band in the world, showing off sort of this fake bravado. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it work out. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, like, obviously you, you need to have confidence in what you're doing or else you're kind of wasting your time. If, if you don't think it's good. Yeah then you should probably change it until you do think it's good because at least you can be the one that think it's, thinks it's good. But yeah, I mean, just just let the thing do the talking and instead of... That's, that's how we feel anyway. I think it would be very disingenuous uh, from us as people to 
going around being like we're god's gift we're like <laughs> oh, this is going to be like the best thing you've ever heard in your life it's like yeah you know if, if you want to think that it is we'll let you decide that we're not going to force that down your throat all we want you to do is listen and then decide what you think yeah yeah so and with that um let's talk about this song can i speak to a manager this is the first tune of yours um that i heard um what's uh what's the song about What's the song about? <laughs> Pretty open. Yeah, it's open-ended. Yeah. Go off. Uh, I'll say this much. The song began with that first first line in it, which was, my God, what a clever. I swear you could not write it. And I was trying to think of the most sort of melodramatic story that could follow that line. Yeah, then the line, trying to speak to a manager, came. And I thought, if, you, if, you, if you'd said it once, it would have meant what it means. But if you use it as a chorus and you keep repeating it, sort of, and like throughout the story of the song, it sort of starts changing meaning. Right, right. I don't want to say too much more because I, I don't want to ruin someone's experience of it if anyone has it. <laughs> it's hard. It's always hard because I always, like, I love, yeah, it's nice talking about these things and obviously loads of thought goes into them. But then, you have to be kind of delicate when you're talking about them. Yeah, I was just going to say, I've seen it happen where, you know, at a gig or maybe in an interview or whatever, somebody says, you know, because James is the one that um, writes the lyrics. So they'll say to him something like, oh, I love that you've written a song about this. And, you know, I've spoken to James, so I know it's not about that, but you'll just right. look and you'll go, yeah. And like, I like that he does that because it's like, right. It's like that person obviously thinks that's what it's about. And like, James isn't going to take that away from them. I think that's a, a good way of being, you know? Right. Well, and certainly like it, it, it's something that fascinates me just in songwriting, this idea that you can write something and it can, you know, you line up 10 different people and it will mean something different for each of them. I mean, like certainly the, the timing of it, like the idea of like, you know, Karen culture, um, and shit like, that, like, can I speak to a manager and stuff like but uh, you know, kudos to you for not wanting to uh, take that, uh, take the meaning out of it for people. But I, something that I, I guess I'm interested in then Damien is if you don't write the lyrics, how do you approach finding the meaning in it? Like, do you, do you take it like, you know, literally off of what James has written and what he's told you it's about, or do you sort of seek to find your own meaning in the lyrics? I just ask him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, what's this about? You know, I think, you know, he's he's quite a a narrative lyricist. You can kind of see where he's going with it. But like I said, sometimes people will pick a line. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I think it's about one thing and they're right. Who knows? And I think that's the, the, the nice thing. But like at its basic level, you can follow the story of what James's songs are, I think. And then, you know, there's there's deeper meaning to find, which is definitely both intentional on James's part and sometimes added by, by the listener. And I think that's all great. I think that's what art should be is the input of the artist, but then also what the, the listener or viewer or whatever takes from it as well. I think that's what makes it. Project your great. own experiences. And yeah. Content. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Very cool. My God, what's up?
job's worth He's in a work as a vehicle All I want is a refund All I'm getting is an earful Can I speak to a manager please? 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 Um, all right, so we're going to get into this list of songs now. Um, we're going to talk about the Smiths' Hand in Glove. It's hard to even know where to begin with a band like this, but uh, right. uh, why'd, you, why'd you pick this song, and, and what do you like about the Smiths? Uh, if we could have picked any Smith song, to be honest. Mm. Um, that one was picked just because it's Sean's favorite. Yeah, I think I remember for myself the first time I heard Hand in Glove, The Sun Shines Out of Pines. That lyric just, yeah. Brilliant lyric. As far as I remember, is it their first? Is their first single? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing to be able to come out with. Yeah, I think it's, it. It was just really interesting that these guys just came together and sort of in a couple of months whipped that up. Yeah, and it sort of came, felt like it came out of nowhere. I wasn't there, obviously, but <laughs> but just even looking back or hearing people who were there, who were around at the time, sort of saying like. It's just landed in the world. For, for a band that were around such a, a short time, they, they really left an impact, you know? Yeah. And that, that, that's something that I'm so fascinated by is band, bands like the Smiths and bands like, you know, the, the replacements to some extent where, where it almost seems like the, their, their impact is not necessarily in that, you know, they came along and sold like 10 million records, but th- th- their impact can more be seen in the bands that they influenced. And the fact that they just put out amazing art and then, and that shaped the world going forward like that, that I, I, I love bands like that. The underground is the same. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I don't think they really made any impact on the charts and all that, but completely shaped music culture yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, if you're in a band that's uh, that's not selling so well, you can uh, you can always find solace in the idea that you could be like the replacements of the Velvet Underground. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. I feel like yeah, I feel like some people do uh, do lean on that when when this when this one don't do too well. You go well at least at least the Stooges didn't do that well either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Next up, uh, David Bowie, Five Years. Again, another, you know, classic. Uh, what, do you, what do you like about this song? And, uh, and, and I guess, you know, what, what, if any, influences do you draw from, uh, from David Bowie's work? I think this song in particular, again, this was one that was, could have been any one of about 200 of his songs. But this song in particular, for me, uh, it's one that my dad used to always try and get me to listen to when I was really young. Um, before I could appreciate David Bowie and um, you know the ending where he's like roaring five years and stuff and you can hear him like 
quite like he's so passionate and stuff. I think that passion at the time, it's not, you know, you can't tell someone how to feel it. So like, I think I remember dad sort of like setting me down, like putting the earphones on my head. He had like big headphones, put them on my head. I'm like, going like, just listen to this now. And I didn't quite appreciate that. And then a few years later, it sort of came at me like a sledgehammer. And yeah, it's so emotional. I just think that how evocative it is and how evocative he could be. And like lyrically as well, how he could say something like time takes a cigarette or these lines that just, just blow your heart open. Um, I think that's really inspiring. And I guess also is the way he always looked forward and he always sort of chased after an, a new feeling or a new sound or, you know, a new something. Um, we saw an interview with him recently and he was saying like, it was, it was an interview, I think in the nineties. And he had said, I'm either everybody's favorite artist in the world, or, you know, I can't get three people to a gig, you know? And like, he went through his career being like absolute superstar and then sort of playing, I don't know what in the venues, but what he was saying, like just sort of really small. Yeah. How about you, Damien? What uh, what's your what's your take on <laughs> on our dear friend, Mister Bowie? Well, I think um, just from like interviews and things, he's just he's just a master of all trades and a jack of none. Right. I saw once, uh, like I think we were all watching it, and he was talking about how when he's making music, he's an artist, and he's like he's he's able to just like separate that from then the business side. And so as soon as the song is done, he's like pushing it and he's, he's both, you know, and I think that's why he was able to do the music he did, which was like completely on his terms. And it was as successful as it was. It's like, cause obviously the music was great, but so many people release great music that never gets heard. It was like, he was such a genius in both sides of the business and, and the art of making music that he was the, the inspiration that he was. and. As James said, you know, it could have been a lot of songs from him because he's such an inspirational guy. But but yeah, just the raw emotion in that song is like it kind of outweighs technical ability. And yeah, stuff. he's yeah. like he just he lets loose, he goes for it, and it's great. It's just yeah. so good to listen to. Yeah, just the rawness. Well, so I, I want to go back to something that um, that you had said, James, about like how like your parents tried to get you to listen to this and appreciate it, and it just didn't click until you kind of discovered it on your own. Like I I, I find that is like a pretty consistent theme with a lot of the music that I like to listen to. Like there, there really is this kind of thing. I don't know if it's just the fact that like, I don't like to be told what to do or, or if I do just need to on my own discover something and, and come to love it for my own reasons. But uh, I'd love to, um, I'd love to like hear about some, perhaps some other artists that uh, you didn't initially get. Uh, well, for me, one was like, um, I like to like the clash and like just kind of punk music in general. Because I think the first time you listen to it, you're a bit like, ah, what's, what's going on? <laughs> you know, because when you're young, you kind of, you're a bit clueless and you listen to stuff that's more palatable. And then right. you start listening to the people that you like, what inspired them. And you keep going back and back and back. And eventually bands like The Clash or The Sex Pistols are mentioned. You know, just that whole punk movement. And just the fact that it was like a movement. It wasn't just releasing some, some songs. It was like, they, they changed things, you know. And that that still changes the way people make music today. I think that was something that initially I I was I just didn't get. And then once you kind of once you get it, you're you can't ignore it anymore. You know. Yeah. So like Radiohead, David Bowie, bands like that, uh, The Cure, 
your parents had sort of tried to get me into them and I didn't quite get them. And then suddenly came back with a vengeance. And at that point, I sort of appreciated their opinion. And sort of, I think I was more open to, it's not that I didn't appreciate it originally, but just I sort of, it, had, it wouldn't click. And then once all these bands started clicking with me, I remember saying to my mum, give me three Smith songs to listen to. And she gave me, I think it was like This Charming Man, As Soon As Now, and There Is A Light. And put on This Charming Man. I was like, no, not for me. Definitely not for me. On How Soon As Now. I was like, absolutely not. And then I put on There Is A Light, and it completely changed my everything I thought about music forever. <laughs> that was insane. Yeah, and like the same for one that I found on my own, my whole life sort of changed, was Arctic Monkeys. When I was... Uh, young I don't know, when I was like maybe 11 or something and I was like right lyrics are the most interesting thing in the world and yeah it's amazing how it can happen who's, who's that happened to you for you well so it's funny just hearing hearing you say that about the punk rock thing um my uh when when I was a kid I was really into Spider-Man like I'm sure many kids are and um I I asked my dad if I could get the Spider-Man song on a CD so I could listen to it and the only CD he could find um with the Spider-Man theme song on it was uh, a cover that the Ramones did on like some greatest hits album what? so I was like weirdly introduced to punk at like age 4 um so I never I didn't have that same issue um what was but, that like, like the theme tune from like the cartoon no, I don't even think so. I think it was just like they threw it on some greatest hits record for God knows what reason. Um, but I, I remember it vividly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, and my dad, who's like not a punk guy at all, just like. Um, but yeah, honestly, for me, it's probably Joy Division. Like Joy Division was like one where they are now like one of my favorite bands and. I remember in high school, like people were always trying to get like, oh, you probably like this. You probably like this. And it just did not click for whatever reason. Um, and it was only weirdly enough when I saw that movie, 24 hour party people. And I saw oh, yeah. just like what, like the story of, I mean, you know, obviously it's not just about Joy Division, but, but a huge chunk of that movie does focus on like the story of Joy Division and like. I don't know. I, I, I guess like in the same way that like James, you're drawn to lyrics and like the lyrics can make that click for you. Just like kind of the the attitude and the energy and the story of a band um, really, uh, really does it for me. Yeah. Mm, I love uh, it. Context. Mm. Yeah. Context yeah. On. Especially I think your division of all bands, you know, it benefits if you, if you don't know the story of them. I think, I think it, yeah, the darker elements and stuff don't become a lot more elusive. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get into Frank Sinatra. Um, that's life. 
again, like I, <laughs> with someone like Frank Sinatra, it's hard to know where to begin. But uh, um, what do you uh, what do you like about this song, and and what do you like about uh, about Frank? What's not to like about that's like <laughs> yeah. This is a song. I actually I thought of this one because it's a song that we often me and Damien usually sing before gigs or after a few pints and then after gigs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, or a few pints and after a gig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so like you're singing it just together backstage, or do you use it as like you know your walkout pump the crowd up music? Because I kind of feel like that would be uh, a bit odd. I don't know if we've used that as a walk on yet, have we? Not yet. Not yet. It's getting there. Yeah. Yeah, he's just one of those guys that's just a pure master of his craft. He has this thing he does, and he, he he's like one of the best, if not the best, to have done it because he just practiced and he is just a master. Yeah. Um, what's a what's a go to like? So so this is actually kind of funny, and and I we haven't talked about this on the show in like a very long time. We used to do this thing where um, we had politicians on, but politicians who had like bit either like in a past life been musicians or like for whatever reason were like really into music, and and it was always interesting to ask them about walk-on music because like you'll have walk-on music as you're going out to like give a speech at a rally or something um but uh what's uh what's like your go-to uh walkout song it's hard to remember now it's been so long but i think <laughs> yeah. the last one we had was uh more the, the street one yeah um stand by me my apprentice was that yeah turn the page turn the page turn the page yeah, yeah. turn the page by the streets that was that was a good one yeah that that really got me going yeah don't know if I've got the crowd going, but it got me going. <laughs> Sometimes that's all. You'll get the crowd going later. You don't. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there was another one. I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but I think everyone was singing it. That that was our walk off. That was um, we had Elvis. I can't help falling in love with you. Yeah, yeah. And it was it actually worked out amazingly. We kind of did it because we thought I don't know it might be a funny one to walk off to. Right. But like the whole crowd were like arm and arm. Belting out this song, I was like <laughs> that worked out way better than we thought it was gonna. So I feel like that's a testament to how good the live show must have been. That uh, like people weren't just itching to leave afterwards; they were they were still True. down around and belt out a tune. The great thing about that was we could play our set of sort of, and at the time, the set I think was fully populated by short, sharp, fast songs, sort of in the style of Ramones. That was kind of what we were going for was just like bang, 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 bang. So we could do that everyone have a jump around and then leave the stage and this like really emotional arm in arm lighter's job comes on by Elvis like the master of like absolutely beautiful song so like we like that moment it was as we walk off stage and join the crowd ourselves it was, yeah beautiful thing that's life that's life that's what all the people say you're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. I said that's life. That's life. And as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks. Stomping on a dream But I don't let it Let it get me down Cause this fine old world It keeps spinning around I've been a puppet A pauper A pirate A poet
Um, all right, so let's get into Arlo Parks, Black Dog. Um, an artist that I'm less familiar with, but funnily enough, like one of these artists that like people have been suggesting I check out and, and, and I've, it's, it's not so much that it hasn't clicked. It's just that I, I've not, I've not gotten around to it. So with, uh, with that in mind, uh, what do you, uh, what do you like about this tune? I was just in the car one day and was like flicking through different radio stations. And I think it was, it was like, it, it was just released as a single and I think it was BBC radio one played it. And I was just instantly like, Whoa, this is, this sounds like different to anything else I've heard on radio one in a long time. And, and so it was just starting and I was like, I really like the music of it just to really like set a scene for the whole song. And then she starts singing and, and her lyrics are just great. She, you know, the subject matter was like, she's talking about depression, but from the perspective of somebody wanting to help this other person, you know, and, and I, I was like, it was quite fresh. Like I hadn't, I hadn't heard it from that perspective yet. You know, somebody saying like, Oh, I'd, one of the lyrics is I'd do anything to get you out of your room. And like, you know, it just like, it hit me like a truck. I was like, this is, this is great. And then I, I, I just needed to like look it up on Spotify after and, right. I did that. and then I like ended up just listening to her for like the rest of the day and just really cool, current, good songwriting, great lyrics, which, you know, as we were saying earlier, I, I also think is so important. Because I think music needs to like hit you and be like, wow, this, this is really nice to listen to or really gets me moving or whatever the intended purpose is. But then what makes you keep going back is, is lyrics, I think. And, you know, if you relate to it or just even if you if you can listen to a lyric and think like it knocks your socks off, you know, I think that's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it was a, like really well like beautifully written song talking about a great thing in a great way. Yeah. Well, you're, you're so right. That's so interesting that it's talking about like depression from the other side, like that, mm. that's such like a fat, like way to turn a, a topic on its head. eh? like that. That's because I, I think, you know, it's a thing that a lot of people suffer from. And then it's a thing that even more people know somebody that suffers from it. So it's just it just seemed really honest it, it, you know it didn't seem at all like she was you know trying to cash in she um, it seems pretty obvious that she's gone through that herself and she wrote about it in such a great way really really uh, you should uh you should definitely listen to it yeah <laughs> yeah i will how about you uh james what do you what do you like about this artist yeah i i think for me she's sort of undeniable because of that because she has such thoughtful, interesting, um, smart lyrics, great music, like musical accompaniment to that. I think the great, a lot of the great artists are sort of feel infallible because, like, not personally, but artistically, you know, it's like they sort of cover everything in what in each song is is self-contained, perfect little world. You know, and I feel like she does that really well, and I feel like she's. Uh, starting to get the recognition she deserves for that as well. She's really, really starting to. Her album, her album won a won a Brit there. So. Oh no way! Well. Yeah. Fantastic. Good for her. Well deserved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, oh. she's crossing. I think she's crossing. She's doing. Um, well, I think uh, like you know, Phoebe uh, Waller Bridge does with Fleabag, and she's like crossing over from like this quite nuanced and yeah, she's just like making something really, really big. 
as well. You know what I mean? And it's amazing when something that's like you feel is really important comes like achieves like mainstream success. Yeah. Makes you feel like vindicated almost. You're like finally like where people are getting to hear this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's cool to not like feel because I don't know, like I, I, I feel like uh, at least personally with a lot of music, like it, it's nice to kind of keep it as your own, like your own little secret. But I, but I think that it, it, at the same time, it is it's beautiful to see when like when something that is just it, that that's just so good gets the recognition that it deserves. Like that's a, that's a powerful yeah. thing. Both, both music and people that deserve it. Yeah. I'm so happy. Okay, so this is this is like my favorite Stroke song, um, and it's like you know it's one of it's one of like the lesser known ones, I guess you could say. But um, when they played in Toronto a few years ago, they opened with this, and I had never heard it before. The Strokes are <laughs> they're played so much in my Peloton class that I've kind of gotten sick of them. Um, oh, no. But this song I can never get sick of like so I'm so happy that you picked this one um but uh but what do you what do you like about this song and 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 perhaps just tacking on to you know my being so or such a big fan of this tune because of the uh because of the live experience what's a um what are some other uh live experiences that you guys have had that have sort of made you really appreciate something that I, I that you might not have appreciated before I think Behind the Cage is actually one of those I can think of. Like, like that was they opened. We went to see them two years ago in Victoria Park, um, and it was like I think was that the first gig we'd all been to. Yeah, I was just thinking that too before this one came up. I think we we've not been to many gigs together <laughs> that we bought tickets for. You know, right, right. that we haven't like it's not been like gigs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's like one of the only ones. Yeah, mm. it was great. And yeah, they opened with that. And actually, I remember I went to get a drink uh, with me uh, for myself and Tom, who plays bass. And the queue was huge. And I got to the front, got the drink. And just as I sort of got them, Heart McH started. And it's, yeah, it's one of our favorites anyway. I'm just, I think. It's so interesting as a stroke song. It's the even just the rhythm, the guitars. Oh, it's great! But I remember like running in, so like where the boys were was like in the right up in front of uh, the sound desk, so through a huge crowd. And the line he sang the line, I went to the concert and I fought through the crowd. Well, I remember just <laughs> it couldn't be more perfectly timed. He's narrating your experience as it was happening. I don't know what the feeling. I can't like. 
I'm feeling it again, like this amazing concert and like the way, as you probably remember from uh, Toronto, it's like the, the way the music comes at you is yeah. really sort of intense. And there's that sort of like wall of five instruments. It was a beautiful hot day and they finally come on stage and, and that line came on. It just, yeah, it was sort of surreal and sublime. And I think everyone joined up with the lads. Yeah. And I think it was just one of the best, one of the best experiences we'd ever had. <laughs> When you got back, it was just so triumphant. It was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing quite like uh, reuniting with a uh, with a departed friend. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. He wasn't even gone for that long, but... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think as a song, it's one of our favorites, isn't it? It's one that we play quite a lot. It's, it's one of those ones, like, kind of, you kind of wish you wrote it, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind playing that at our gigs. Yeah. Right. I think also because it's on First Impressions... It's not quite maybe as well known as the the, the room on fire or is this it songs, but I think it's a great song. I think Birth and Birth does quite a few great songs. Yeah, definitely. That's a great music video as well. Yeah. Well, and and th- yeah, there is just something about like that kind of that like driving thunderous like rhythm mm. to it that that is that is. Yeah, I, but but you're so right. Just like the wall of sound, like when they just like the slot the guitar slide into it and like yeah it's it's perfect and 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 you're so right every time i i hear that song it just it transports me back and i like it i don't feel better when i'm fucking around and i don't So, um, bearing in mind that I don't want to have you divulge too many, uh, too much uh, lyrical content, um, uh, we're going to talk about "Feel So Real." Um, what can you What can you tell us about this song? I, I, I guess the idea for the song was um, was I had I had an idea of lyrically was walking over um, London Bridge on a sort of summer's evening and walking to meet someone and in the, in the, in the idea, just, just the things that you see, the city and the sort of this feeling of like it being the soundtrack. Yeah. It was trying to sort of get to a certain feeling, a sort of a, maybe like rapture. Like I don't know exactly what, what causes it, but sometimes you just, the, the light is right and you're in the right place at the right time. And then you put your headphones on. You know, when you're going to, and you're going to meet someone, and it just everything just feels right. And I think like the song was sort of was, was sort of trying to marry that with being late and seeing needles and seeing you know all these things go on, all the, all of what makes the city ugly. But you're in this sort of like sublime state that sort of where it was coming from. Yeah. So it's like you're you're trying to capture like that almost like bit, I feel like bittersweet is like overused as like a as like a phrase, but but certainly just the, the like the internal bliss surrounded by kind of shitty things. 
Yeah, the feeling, I think it could be presence, being present, feeling of being present, um, but like completely, completely present. Yeah. Maybe that's it. And it's it's actually, it's a, I'm not 100% sure what the feeling is. It's it's like, I've tried to like find words for it, even since the song, since we've released the song, just to sort of, when talking to people about it, try to find like words, to, uh, like sublime, rapture, maybe presentness, you know, this sort of like, this feeling, it's, it's a feeling I think you, I can only describe that as like, well, the song, the song sort of describes yeah, exactly. it, is the feeling. Yeah. And the music is, the idea we had was, so for the music to be, to create the feeling. So the, like the drums and bass create the feeling and the lyrics to be a stream of consciousness on top of that. And then for the guitar to sort of interact. And like, you know, certainly, creating that feeling and, and 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 again as we were talking about earlier like allowing people to kind of project their own feelings onto whatever that sound is like you, you almost don't even need to like define it right that's yeah and that's the thing like some that's what it's all about isn't it it's just evoking i feel like it would be remiss to to try and, and sort of crowbar what people should feel about a song i've been listening to it yeah of course um, so then, Damien, how do you um, approach trying to sort of create that atmosphere? Um, well, with that one, it was it kind of came together like just really quickly. I mean, there's a demo that we have somewhere, and pretty much the final songs. So I think the idea was was all there for for that particular song. Yeah, it was just it was just there. I think you know. It, Every time we write a song, it works differently, but this one came quite fully formed in terms of what James had, you know, envisaged for it. Um, you know, we, we tried to add our own like little flares and things. And in terms of the parts of this song, I had actually gone back to Ireland for a few days. And by the time I came back to London, there was like a demo done. Right. With, wow. like, like the drums and all. And I was like, Oh, like that. Right, <laughs> like it makes your job easier. Right, yeah. Like for this one, I was, I was like, just sit back. I mean, like I'm, I wouldn't change much here. Like you had a bit of kind of just polish here and there, but but for this song, yeah. As I said, I I came back. There was this demo that just sounded great, and I think captured the feeling that James was talking about. You know, I I heard it instantly in the song. Then it was just a matter of, okay, well let's add enough to you know finish this but not too much to to take anything away from it because the essence was already there so so sometimes it's it's harder to not add things because you know you can just keep adding and putting layers on it but then you know pretty quickly you, you might take the feeling away yeah and especially with drums i mean like it's, uh, I, i'm i'm a drummer myself and like certainly um yeah, like there, there is that kind of thing where you almost feel this like temptation to go for like these like crazy fills and like add like because you really can like you you could if you really wanted to you could do an entire song of drum fills and like it, it would be absolutely terrible but like you yeah could, nobody like, wants to hear that yeah exactly maybe other drummers might but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the, you, you do almost have to kind of take the um I guess like the Ringo Starr approach where you're you're what you what you what you're doing needs to be in service of the song um and that's yeah i've i've always found that that's kind of 
the tricky balance to strike. That's one thing that, yeah, I think came quite naturally to all of us is because we've all been playing like as one unit for so long, we're not four musicians that came together after like years of lessons and, yeah, yeah. you know, threw in what we learned that week into our song. <laughs> yeah. it, it was more, we're all figuring this out together. Um, and so we just, we learned by playing together. And I think that really stands to us now when we write songs, because there's none of that about, I need to be heard more than, than they do. It, it's all, it's all, as you said, serves a song. It's all about, well, what actually sounds better to listen to? <laughs> not when you're thinking about the whole song, not when you're thinking about each part, because you can't, you can't think about each part separately. It's yeah. It's counterproductive. Well, and it's funny, just like in, when I talk to a lot of, um, typically this is more the case with older musicians. I don't know why, but, um, where they they'll start the band before they learn how to play their instruments or even decide like what instruments someone else is going to play like certainly like you know my understanding is that joy division was like that and that that's just such like a, a crazy thing like in the contrast of like you know a bunch of kids who get together for band practice after school and as you say like literally like oh i learned how to do this in my lesson this week so let's mm. incorporate it and it really is like you know, you, you, you do feel that kind of like urge to show off almost. So that, yeah. that, that's so cool how, how just how different it can be if you, if your musical life is each other. Yeah. Well, you know, like, as I said, I, I couldn't play drums. You know, yeah, exactly. Sean, Sean was only learning the guitar. Sean actually played drums before he was in this band. He was like, he was in like a metal band when he was like, 10 or something um so he was kind of like giving me pointers on drums james was giving him pointers on guitar we were all just like figuring it out and in the meantime trying to write songs um that i was gonna i was gonna like knock them i was gonna say write these terrible songs but john i'm, I'm not when i look back at like the songs we were writing then they weren't that bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people just knock their songs, but I think I think for for as little as we knew, you know, I, I think they, some of them hold up. I wouldn't release them, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I, I think they're not. Bad. Yeah, you I'm can still ashamed. appreciate them. Yeah, exactly. They're they're on they're on a random YouTube channel that uh, we'll never give the the name of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, we can <laughs> leave that to the internet sleuths to. Yeah, exactly. Find it. <laughs> I think um, I do think that there's a liberation as well in sort of subsuming the, your ego for the for the betterment of the song, you know, because because then you're not trying to show that you're good or bad and see if other people think you're good or bad. You're just trying to see is this sort of thing. You can, there's a certain detachment you can get, and you can go, is this thing for the song? Yes or no? No. Okay. Is this thing? You know, it's quite liberating. I think. Yeah. Well. And I, I see that tying in um, so much to what we were talking about with you guys messaging McGee, where it, it's like you're, you're not you're not looking for like, you know, all right, I'll sign you guys. I'll do this. I'll do, like you're literally just looking for you, you just want people to hear the music. Um, and mm -hmm. it, it's just that that pure relationship with with the art that I think is um, is, is important. But uh, again, it's I think it's liberating as well. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, it's. It's uh, it must be really tough to see everyone 
try and find an angle on everyone and see everyone as a vehicle for your success. Um, because most people are trying to just do their own thing. Almost everyone. Everyone is trying to do their own do thing. Their own. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I think it's like, it must, it must get really tired. There's a buzz in the air by the glow of the lamps. The city's a lady, the city's a tramp. Six, but it's already eight It's the state of the times Now time's at the stake When there's history to make Tripping over bottle tops Skip round to ranges Trolleys in the river And gates off the hinges It feels so real to me It feels so real to me It feels so real to me Feel so, feel so. Um, all right, so we are at the end now, and um, what we always do at the end is just give our guests a chance to plug latest releases, upcoming releases, upcoming gigs, uh, anything and everything you want to share with the listeners. So our last release was Feel So Real, which is on Spotify. Um, our next release is in the works. Keep your eyes peeled for that. It's been recorded. It's just uh, not not quite done yet. But I mean, you know, these days gigs and everything, it's kind of they're hard to plug. So I guess what we'll say is just look us up on Spotify. Go listen to the songs that are out. Um, go watch the videos we have on YouTube. Just just go. Yeah. Go go listen to us. <laughs> you don't have to. But you can. We're there. Yeah, but you should. Yeah, you should. If you well, if you wanna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're if you found this at all interesting, then why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take yeah. some time out of your day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. What else well, are you doing? We will be we will be playing gigs at some yeah. point. Yes, for definitely. sure. And perhaps uh, venturing over to Toronto. I, I one might hope. One might hope. Uh, I think four or five might hope. Um, <laughs> but yeah, also uh, probably the best place to. Uh, keep up to date is instagram we're on facebook as well and stuff but instagram we we post on a bit more than the rest so that's just the clockworks on instagram gotcha thanks so much for taking the time guys thank you thanks alex thanks so much to the clockworks for joining us this week as always you can find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts or at havingachat.com the show is produced by myself, Alex Anderson, and Hillary Johnston. Social media and marketing materials are done by Petra Walker, so don't forget to check us out on social media at Having a Chat. Theme music is composed by Duncan Briggs and Sugarglass, and if you have time, please feel free to rate us on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey.